The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to According to Ayurveda and Yoga with your host, Ann Holiday. Ayurveda and yoga are often poorly understood, and there are many misconceptions about them. According to Ayurveda and Yoga is a series of shows on the concepts of this ancient knowledge of life and consciousness presented in a way which is easy to understand. Now, here is Anne Holiday. Welcome to According to Ayurveda and Yoga. This is your host, Anne Holiday, and this week I'm going to be talking about Ayurveda and the Vedic view of the mind and how its concepts can be applied to mental health. In the last two programs, we have talked about the five elements, space or ether, air, fire, water and earth, and how it is the qualities of the elements which give all matter its characteristics. Last week, we continued the discussion in the program on how the forces of these elements affect the physical body. In the body, these forces are called the doshas, and there are three. The force of movement is vata, force of transformation is fire, and the binding force is kapha. We talked a little bit about how vata, pitta and kapha affect the body, because it is the imbalance of these forces which cause disease. The force of transformation in the physical body is called agni, or digestive fire, and agni is responsible for the transformation of food, metabolism and the burning of energy in the body. We had a brief discussion on the importance of sleep and how the value of sleep is more important to health than the amount. These programs can be reviewed on the website www.atv.com. There is a questionnaire on the physical health page and a video where you can analyze your own true state of the doshas, in other words, what you were born with. And you can find the page by clicking on Ayurveda and Yoga on the site. The forces of the five elements in the body or doshas have subtle natures which affect the body in subtle ways. But the subtle nature of air and space have more effect on the mind. In the West we tend to think of the brain as being the mind but the Vedas considered the solar plexus in the abdomen to be the driver of the mind and this is why we say that intelligence is in every part of the body. But before we go any further into analyzing the mind, it's important for us to talk about prana, or the life force, which has the qualities of air and space, and is the driving energy of the body. And in its subtle form, it affects the mind. Prana 
is a similar concept to qi in Chinese medicine. If you hold your breath for a long time, then have to take a gasp, it is pranic energy which makes you breathe. Prana is in the body, the mind and influences our spiritual nature and really cannot be separated in its function as the body, mind and spirit are interconnected. But for the sake of description, we'll discuss the effects separately. There isn't an equivalent word for prana. Pra means forward or inward moving, and an means energies. It is the life force coming into the body through the breath or through inhalation. Breathing is the most important thing that we do in life. It's the first thing after birth and the last thing at death. We can survive without water, we can survive a long time without food, but only a minute or two without air. Prana, or air, is vital to all living things. It is the life force of trees and plants which absorb it through their leaves, fish through their gills, and of course mammals have lungs like we do. Prana is a very important concept to understand. It is the keystone to physical and mental health and spiritual growth. It is the force in life force in everything we do, particularly in what we eat. Because prana is in all living things, it is through the consumption of fresh fruits and vegetables that prana from plants comes into us through energy. If a plant is old, frozen or altered in any way, it may have some nutrition, but it will not have prana. If fruits and vegetables are artificially ripened, they will not have the same value as a natural plant. And the same with with medicine, which may have the same active ingredient as a medicinal herb, but it will not have the same potency as a herb grown naturally in the forest. Prana in the mind gives the capacity to communicate and gives mental adaptability. It allows us to expand our comprehension, arrange our ideas and gives vitality to the mind. Prana gives us the will to live, our creativity, enthusiasm for life and allows us to be adaptable. It is the life force which enables us to grow and, if we are sick, to recover. Prana determines our aspirations and, when fully developed, allows us to transcend the outer world and promotes the evolution of consciousness by surrendering to life and its forces. It is through prana that we create higher awareness, It purifies, creates stillness in the mind and allows the development of higher levels of consciousness. When used properly, it will bring the right spiritual direction and will determine inspiration, positiveness and connect us to our inner self. It is through the breath that we consciously connect to subtle sources of energy which with uh, subtle sources of energy within us which govern the mind. So what I'm saying here is that the air we breathe and the way we breathe is vital to optimum health. 
Most people only use the upper part of the lungs and the lungs never get a chance to adequately expand so that each breath maximizes prana in the body. The main reason that running is so good for health is that it forces heavier breathing. However, most of us do not or cannot run. But that doesn't mean that the lungs cannot be exercised by and expanded by deep breathing. I will cover this subject in much more detail in a later show. To understand the Vedic approach to psychology, it is important for us to look at their view of the nature of mind and how it operates. You may remember in the first program when I talked about the evolution of matter and that the mind evolves from cosmic intelligence. We saw in that program that the ego, the third stage of evolution from which the sensory and motor organs evolved, is our sense of identification. The ego has three qualities called the gunas. These are sattva, the quality of purity, rajas, the quality of action, and tamas, the quality of resistance to action or inertia. These three forces are the forces of nature. Each guna is present simultaneously in all creation and it is the gunas which give nature its diversification. It is through their interaction and transformation that the manifestation of all things occur, including matter, the body, the mind, and the spiritual self. In Ayurveda, we use the gunas as a means to assess the quality of the mind. They are tendencies towards action and not the action itself. For example, sattva-guna is the tendency towards purity, but it isn't purity itself. Similarly, rajas is the force which tends to create action, but it's not the action itself. So, how do these gunas affect the mind? The word sattva is a Sanskrit word meaning balance, order and purity, and is the principle of intelligence which brings about balance. The sattva quality of mind creates virtue, purity, goodness and harmony. It has the quality of honesty, humility, silence and brings about happiness and contentment. It is the principle of clarity, expansion and peace and the force of love which unites all things. The meaning of rajas is change, movement, activity, turbulence and has outward motion. It causes self-motivation, gives power, wealth and recognition, but can lead to fragmentation and disintegration of the mind. Rajas is the quality of ambition, selfishness, egoism, pleasure and stimulation seeking, and is the force of passion. These all lead to distress and conflict within us. It is the force of action which causes imbalance in the mind, resulting in emotional pain and suffering. The word tamas literally means darkness and obscurity and is the quality of inertia, lethargy and dullness. Its downward motion causes decay and disintegration. It is the principle of materialism, 
unconsciousness and greed. Tamas is associated with delusion and ignorance and has the quality of destruction. Because of its heavy, obstructive and turbulent nature, tamas will create confusion, cowardice, laziness, ignorance, fearfulness, apathy, lack of willpower and discipline within us. In nature, tamas is the force of gravity which holds everything in place. When I was in India a few years ago, I went to a seminar given by my guest today, Dr. Satyanarayana Das. The seminar was called Vedic Psychology. Now, the Vedas didn't have a study of psychology. They had psychiatry, of course, which is the treatment of mental imbalance. And what they described was a mechanism to understand the mind and how human behavior affects it. Vedic philosophy says that the most difficult thing to control in life is the mind. And the only way to achieve happiness, contentment and peace is to harness it. In those days, of course, the main goal in life was to connect with the source of consciousness by reaching higher levels of consciousness. The biggest barrier to doing this is the mind. So they devised rules of behavior which gave people a method by which they could control their behavior, look at themselves and make the necessary changes. This way they could avoid the misery and suffering they were experiencing. Only we can change the chain of cause and effect. So what Dr. Saryan, Dr. Satyanarayana's seminar was about was a description of how the Vedas viewed the mind, which is quite different from modern psychology, although there are some similarities. Once you understand that the mind has certain tendencies, then you have the tools to keep it under control. They did this by describing the mind. Firstly, the senses which we have covered in as being the instruments of the mind to experience the five elements. These experiences come into what is called manas in Sanskrit, or mind. And interestingly, the word man in English derives from this word manas. Manas is like the screen of the computer, insofar as you only see things when the files come up on the hard drive. So impressions just come through the mind, that's all. Next is the ego or our sense of identification or our self-image and gives ownership of our emotions as in I like this and I am that and this is mine and so on. Everything living has to have this sense of identification to be what or who we are. The ego operates through emotions and always wants to enjoy through sensations. And for that, it needs the mind, it needs intelligence, and it needs the senses. It can then expand and feel good about itself. But it is limited because it is never satisfied and therefore always unhappy. It is through the ego that we can expand our minds and achieve focus. But ego is not who we really are. 
It's like a waypoint where we make the choice between an outward-directed mind or an inward-directed mind to live in harmony with our true nature and the deeper aspects of life. Now, the next aspect is the chitta or memory card of the computer. And this is where all experiences and impressions are stored. So we will talk more about this on the mind in our next segment with my guest, Dr. Satinarayana, after a short break. According to Ayurveda and Yoga Global Community, welcomes you to join the conversation at ataytv.com, where you can share your experiences of holistic health, ask questions, make comments, and write blogs. It is through ataytv.com that professional members committed to bringing authentic knowledge to the world can connect with you. Material from Ate radio shows are also available. ataytv.com. Visit ataytv.com today. The incidence of autism has increased at an alarming rate. Approximately 1 in 50 children are affected by autism, giving autism the undesired ranking as the most prevalent childhood developmental disorder in the U.S. 67 children will be diagnosed today. That is nearly one child every 20 minutes. Autism One, a conversation of hope, hosted by Terry Aranga, illuminates how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Autism is treatable and given appropriate therapies, children are recovering. With well-known researchers and doctors, members of Congress, and expert service providers from a wide range of disciplines, Terry offers interviews and insights highlighting the progress in areas related to autism spectrum disorders such as biomedical research and treatment, communication, education, and behavioral modalities, sociological and philosophical issues, and legislative advocacy and insurance concerns. Autism One, a conversation of hope, broadcasts each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel autism one a conversation of hope through education and conversation there is hope the largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the voice america network the dr bob martin show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments each week you'll hear the answers that dr bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time We'll also discuss developments on the healthcare front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to According to Ayurveda and Yoga with Ann Holiday. If you have questions or comments about our program, we would like to hear from you. Please contact us via email to info at ataytv.com. That's info at ataytv.com. Now, back to According to Ayurveda and Yoga. Welcome back. This is your host, Anne Holliday, in the second part of our program on the Vedic view of the mind and mental health. The chitta, or subconscious mind, is our deep-seated memory and is where all life's impressions are stored. 
Chitta is the unconscious mind and can be compared to the hard disk of the computer. We are unaware of it constantly taking in and storing our life's experiences, deep-seated memories, emotions, habits, attachments and impressions, which are all stored in the unconscious mind. In some cases, they can be reached through hypnosis. And drugs like LSD reach the chitta, and sometimes people often believe that they are having a spiritual experience, but they are only going to the level of the mind. Chitta is the bridge between the mind and the soul, and it is through the subconscious mind that we connect to cosmic consciousness and our inner self. And here I must mention the concept of samskaras, or scars on the chitta, which are impressions on the subconscious mind. And not all of these impressions are good ones. The Vedic system of erasing these scars is through the practice of mantra. And mantra is a particular sound or a chant of a Sanskrit word. And these sounds have the power to connect to cosmic consciousness. And when repeated over and over again, ingrain themselves on the unconscious mind, almost like learning something which has to be repeated over and over again to be remembered. Mantra will erase these scars, but of course if they are really deep-seated, it will be difficult. The other aspect of the mind is the buddhi, or discriminating mind, and this is our intelligence and can be compared to the processor of the computer. It is the rational part of the mind which allows us to judge, doubt and process information before it's stored in the memory. It allows us to understand and discriminate between truth and falsehood, good and bad, and it gives us values and principles and allows us to be objective in our judgment. The discriminating mind acts as a filter of information coming into the mind and is the basis of conscience. It is the discriminating mind which is not developed in babies and young children, so the subconscious mind is not protected, leaving it wide open to impressions or scars, which is why the early days especially are so important to the bringing up of a child. Everything is recorded in the subconscious, even before birth, which is why pregnant women, babies and young children have to be protected from trauma. Ancient civilizations realize this. In tribal communities, the main role of the men is to protect the women and children. Chitta is very important to sanity because if it, it functions properly in the sattvic state of mind, but in rajas and tamas states, its functions are disturbed. I often visit a place called Brindavan in India, which is about halfway between Delhi and the Taj Mahal. Brindavan is a very auspicious place for the Hindus, and it is where Krishna spent his life 3,000 years ago. And it is his spiritual teachings on which ancient texts are based. Vrindavan is the Bethlehem to the Hindus and the home of the Hare Krishnas. 
It is in Brindavan where I met Dr. Satyanarayana Das, my guest today, almost 10 years ago. He is the director of the Jiva Institute of Vedic Studies in Brindavan and has spent most of his life studying the Vedas and has translated the ancient texts and published them with commentary, which articulate the metaphysics and theology of Vedic philosophy. He teaches Vedic philosophy in India, Europe and in the USA and is a visiting professor at Rutgers University in Jersey, in New Jersey, USA. Dr. Satyanarayana is my spiritual teacher and I feel very honored to have him on our show today. Dr. Satyanarayana, I wonder if you would explain the Vedic view of the mind. Yes, the basic view of the Vedas about mind is that mind is like a material machine. Mind is not spirit, as some people think. Mind is not spiritual. Although it is conscious, but the consciousness is not its inherent characteristic. The Vedas very clearly describe that as a human being, we have, you can say, three things primarily. We have the physical, gross physical body, which is visible to us. We have hands, legs, eyes, nose, face, all this which we can see. Beyond that, there is a psychic body which includes the mind in it, there is also intellect, there is ego, and there is something which is called chitta in Sanskrit. We can translate that as an unconscious mind. And then beyond that, there is Atma, which is actually the source of consciousness. And this psychic body, gross physical body, is all matter. And matter is inert, it is devoid of consciousness, devoid of awareness in it. Atma is conscious by nature and it spreads its consciousness into both the psychic body and the gross body. Just as you have a car, and car has many parts in it. But all these parts, they function when there is an electric current flowing through them. Mm -hmm. If there is no electric current, then all these parts will just stand there and do nothing. <coughs> so it's like the battery then? It's like of. a battery, yeah. but an inexhaustible battery. An adjustable battery, yeah. Battery which never comes to an end. So Atma is the source of consciousness. And this consciousness is its intrinsic property, and being intrinsic property, it's never taken out of it. And this consciousness then comes or spreads into the psychic body, which includes the mind, and then mind becomes conscious, intelligence becomes conscious, ego becomes conscious, and then they start functioning and doing their work, mm -hmm. just as the engine of the car starts functioning when you turn it on 
by putting in the key. So is this uh, consciousness, what you would say, eternal? This consciousness is eternal and therefore we have the theory of reincarnation that Atma gives up this body, what we call as death, mm-hmm. and then takes another body through conception of mother and father, parents, male, mm-hmm. female, and develops another body around it. But when it goes from one body to another one, it is only the gross body which is left behind. The psychic body goes along with the Atma. And the psychic body has the imprints from the previous life in it. Yes. So that's how the karma continues from one life to another life. Yes. And that is the reason that one can actually retrace one's past life because this impressions which are called samskaras in Sanskrit they are stored within unconscious mind which is also part of psychic body mm-hmm. only thing is that <clears throat> normally we are not aware of them just as you have a computer and there are many programs lying on the hard disk but you are not aware of them unless they flash onto the screen yeah. otherwise I don't know what all is inside so chitta therefore is like hard disk. So it has a lot of things in it that we're not uh, aware of. Yeah, it's quite a big hard disk, almost unlimited uh, capacity unlimited. it has. Yes. So your memories from previous hundreds and hundreds of lifetimes are stored in it. Yes. And therefore it is feasible for one to really go back hundreds of lifetimes. Yes. And in India there have been yogis who have actually remembered their past life. Even Buddha, Lord Buddha, he is believed to be remembering his past 100 lives, which he spoke about and they are collected in a book called Jataka. Jataka stories, they are very popular, so in that he speaks of his previous lives and they were not all human. He was also animal in one lifetime. Mm-hmm. He was like an elephant, he tells that he was an elephant and once there was a forest fire and he was moving and rabbit came and stood under him to take shelter and he didn't want to move and that's how he died, yes. trying to protect the rabbit. So he That just goes to show how, how conscious we have to be of the animal kingdom because we never know yes. what's going to happen next. So the point I'm making is that in this unconscious mind, a lot of our memories are stored from the past life and in this life also what we have experienced is stored. That's how we are able to remember. So all the remembrance <coughs> flows from unconscious mind. And what is called remembering is nothing but if those impressions can be moved on to mind mm-hmm. then we remember it because we are only conscious of those things which flash into our mind mind is like a screen of the computer chitta or unconscious mind is like the hard disk yes. so whatever comes into the mind that only you know what does not come into the mind that we say that I forgot it 
and at, at a particular point in time we can only be aware of one thing but mind works very fast it can keep on pulling things from your chitta and it's always busy a lot of thoughts keep coming one after another one after another into the mind and it's also processing what's coming in through the senses isn't it yes it's a two way two way thing so two way mirror yeah. type yeah. of thing yeah there are things yeah. coming into the mind from inside there are things coming mm-hmm. into the mind from outside yeah, so whatever comes into the mind from outside that also gets filtered and stored into the unconscious into mind. The unconscious mind because it's not stored haphazardly but it is stored according to the different files we have sound files we have taste files we have what we call tactile files visual files about colors and forms mm-hmm. so we have five senses sense of taste sense of touch sense of smell sense of seeing sense of hearing so there are files related to each one of them yes so all the sensations which come to us <clears throat> they go through the mind and then they get stored in their respective area so whenever we see anything then we actually recognize it on the basis of the past experience when i see a book lying on the table so i recognize it as a book because i have already seen a book in the past and that experience is stored so when when the sensation comes from outside that sensation is just a pure message doesn't say anything what it is so first when i see it i only have a sensation that there is something it is indeterminate knowledge there is nothing determin- deterministic about it and then our intellect takes this inter- indeterminate knowledge and goes and searches that which will match with it same yes. thing like as computer does yes exactly yeah. so just as computer you you have electronic so it recognizes yeah. the, so you want to search so over what it is yeah so then it goes and searches the file and what matches with it then it comes back and tells the mind that yeah. this is a book mm-hmm. so then you see it is a book mm-hmm. but sometimes you also make a mistake because of resemblance yeah maybe a rope and there's not sufficient light in the evening so you can mistake it for a snake mm-hmm. because the sensation <coughs> comes to the mind then it searches and it mistakenly sure. matches matches yeah. with it a snake mm-hmm. and then it's all oh, there is a snake here actually it's only a rope because just comparing it some yeah and if something can match so sometimes we can mistake one object for another like mm-hmm. we see water in the desert in the summer yeah i was going to say is that the same as a mirage yeah yes so and it looks like water being not really sure it's not really water but because the heat rays which are refracting they give you the impression on the mind as if it, it is water like it. but yeah. it is not so our senses therefore can be also mistaken mm-hmm. sometimes these concepts are quite different for westerners 
and will take quite a bit of review. There are several videos on the mind in the mental health pages of According to Ayurveda and Yoga. And I do encourage you to watch these before our next program. We will continue with Dr. Satinariana Das, my very special guest today in the last segment. But first, we will take a short break. largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. The According to Ayurveda and Yoga Global Community welcomes you to join the conversation at ateTV.com, where you can share your experiences of holistic health, ask questions, make comments, and write blogs. It is through ateTV.com that professional members committed to bringing authentic knowledge to the world can connect with you. Material from Ate radio shows are also available. ATTV.com. Visit ATAYTV.com today. Are you ready for a real fact based show about alternative and natural approaches to health? Listen for Live Healthy, Be Healthy with Drs. Jim and Janine Fox. We're not about the latest health fads, we're about proven methods from real patients and real situations. Each week's show is an eye opening look behind the scenes of real health. Live Healthy, Be Healthy can be heard live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. You are listening to According to Ayurveda and Yoga with Anne Holiday. If you have questions or comments about our program, we would like to hear from you. Please contact us via email to info at ataytv.com that's info at ataytv.com now back to according to ayurveda and yoga dr satinariana um i wonder if you would talk a little bit about the discriminating mind or the buddhi so buddhi does the function of making decisions which means it needs to discriminate what is beneficial, what is not beneficial. Mind, whenever anything comes to the mind, mind cannot make decisions. Mm -hmm. The decision is made by the buddhi. So buddhi is the one which tells me what is actually beneficial for me and what is not beneficial for me. And if we do not use our buddhi and simply follow our mind, then mind will simply fall for pleasure. Something which is pleasurable, mind wants that. And if it is painful, it does not want that. So if I like sweets, mind likes sweet, I don't want to eat it, but actually I may be a diabetic patient. Mm -hmm. So it is only the buddhi which will tell that, no, don't eat sweets, they are not good for you. But mind will say eat. Mm -hmm. So mind 
is not discriminative. Mind only follows the principle of like and dislike, pleasure and pain. Mm-hmm. That's its criteria. Buddhi sees what is the effect of it. You may have to take some herb which tastes bitter. So mind will say, no, don't eat it because it's Because you don't bitter. like it. Yeah, mind will say, eat chocolate. Yes. But intelligence will say, no, don't eat chocolate because you're diabetic. It is not good for you. And you take this mm-hmm. herb. This mm-hmm. is good for you. Yes. So and is, it, is that the same thing as caution? You know, if, if you're approaching, say, a dark street and you, you have this feeling that maybe that's a bit dangerous, is that the buddhi that's working? Yeah, buddhi tells Buddhi is telling you that it's not a good thing for you to do. Yes. Yes. So it's a very important part of the, of the mind to keep healthy and keep working properly. Yeah, if your buddhi is not working, then you'll have bad health. And what, um, how do we keep it working properly? Is that, because it is related to sleep, isn't it? Yeah, it's related with sleep, it is related with doubts, it is related with decisions. How to keep it working means you have to keep awareness. Keep up awareness, yes. If we are not aware, (coughs) which is the tendency usually not to be aware of our actions, our thoughts, our emotions, and just follow whatever is happening, that means buddhi is sleeping. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So most of the time people don't use their buddhi and... They do mistakes, which is called pragyaprad in Ayurveda. Yes, misuse of intelligence or offending the intelligence. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember you saying that the buddhi is not really truly developed, is it, until in very young children, but that uh, yes. and you don't have that real protection of information going into the subconscious. When the child is born, buddhi is not developed at all. Mind is there. Therefore, even a baby knows eating something or avoiding something. But buddhi is almost nil. Therefore, baby can catch fire or put something in mind, mouth, which yes, may not be good. Know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, they doesn't have the discrimination faculty developed mm-hmm. yet. Which also means that whatever experiences come, they are stored without any... Nevertheless, the, yeah. the, the, the experience is stored, isn't it? Right. Even though... But, um, but if buddhi is working, then we can store an impression or an experience with a certain kind of like avoiding certain emotions along with it mm-hmm. so that it will not influence me. So you're protecting your... Yeah. Yourself. So Buddha is like a doorkeeper. Yes. It allows, it can say, okay, this thing I don't want to keep. Yeah. So you have some bad experience. One is that you can store it and then the, that bad experience will keep on troubling you later on. Sometimes that doesn't develop until we're in middle age, even if it develops at all. Or I can say, well, I experience a store, but not the emotion Mm. along with it. So then it won't bother you. So Mm. sometimes our life is guided by some of the traumatic experiences Mm. which we have had in our childhood. And unless you actually digest it properly using your buddhi, then it keeps on troubling you. So buddhi is also acting like a fire, digestive fire. Just like you eat food, mm. the food has to be digested by the stomach. Yes. 
if the food is not digested then it becomes toxin and then it moves into your body and usually it goes and sticks into the joints like the knees then your knees start paining you get arthritis mm-hmm. so arthritis comes because of the undigested food getting stuck so in ayurveda they have yeah, a treatment for con- yeah these are all concepts of our ayurveda aren't they yeah. yeah so similarly the experience which we are getting from outside that is also like a food in sanskrit the word for food is ahara ahara literally means anything which comes inside me whether it comes through the mouth no, through the body. nose through the eyes through the ears through the skin it's all food yes so it all must be digested and mm. the food which goes into stomach is digested by digestive fire your digestive system and the food which goes into the mind through the senses that is digested by the intelligence and if the buddhi or intellect is not very strong or not developed strongly then these things don't get digested which means we are unable to comprehend it properly and you store it as it comes and then it keeps on troubling it becomes like a toxin like a scar yes and then you develop phobias you become claustrophobic because you had some experience in your childhood maybe your parents punished you and they put you inside a closet as a punishment and mm-hmm. you got scared by that felt suffocated and then and you grow up you still carry that emotion that as soon as you see something closed space then that experience gets triggered up because your intelligence did not digest it mm-hmm. and then you become mm-hmm. scared the same emotion becomes manifest you become like a child you may be grown up but your behavior is just like a two year or four year kid yeah, old yeah, kid yeah. because that same experience is triggered by the keep reliving it <coughs> do do you get those kinds of experience from previous lives as well it is possible from previous lives also if it was very strong experience in the mm. past and that is usually there from the childhood yes So that's why it is very important to have a very nice loving protected childhood. Yes and it's also affected if the child doesn't receive um love isn't it? Yeah if you don't if receive love then everything is neglected and everything is a phobia. Mhm. And you right. you are actually a lost person you do not develop a sense of you know identity. Then yeah yeah proper. Yes it's extremely Yeah, and and there is an identity brain. crisis. Yeah. So that's where the ego comes into the picture. Yes. Because ego is very important. Ego is that which gives me a sense of identity, sense of my being as a person what I am. Mm-hmm. So if I have not got love and I have not had good relation with my parents in my childhood, then I don't have that strong identity. Is that the same as self-esteem? Or? self esteem is related with similar, it similar yeah. yes so when i don't have that strong sense of identity then i i am lost in my life mm-hmm. i i then i imitate others therefore there is a big tendency to be a fan of somebody some celebrity some soccer player basketball player some some film actor Yeah, somebody become, people uh, follow them because actually they have heroes don't they yeah heroes yeah, yeah. because you don't have your own identity so you identify with those people somebody else yeah 
Thank you, Dr. Satyanarayana, for sharing your deep knowledge with us today. I hope that our listeners are as moved by your talk as much as I was many years ago, when, for the first time, I began to understand myself by realizing the four aspects of the mind. It is only by understanding that we change, and the only thing that we can really change is ourselves. We all want to connect to cosmic consciousness. It is inherent in human nature. We all want to love and be loved. We all want to connect to nature. We all want a purpose in life and feel that we belong. And the mere fact that we are here on earth gives us that belonging. But we have to connect to the source of consciousness. And the only path is the tool that we have, which is the mind. Modern psychology has many theories about the mind and human behavior, and when these theories are put into practice, they seem to work. But they are incomplete because they only go to the level of the mind and do not address the whole picture. We have to go beyond the mind to study it objectively, which is why Vedic philosophy is more complete in its study of the mind As advanced as we think we are in the modern world, it is amazing how little we know about the mind. In fact, one could ascertain that modern culture is geared towards the degradation of the mind and not towards the advancement of human thought. We are creatures of consciousness, which set us apart from the animal kingdom, and yet we undermine the gift of higher intelligence and allow ourselves to become slaves to the outward mind. To summarize our program today then, uh, we started off by talking about prana, or life force, which comes into the body through the breath. And then we talked about the gunas, sattva, the quality of purity, rajas, the quality of action, and tamas, the quality of resistance to action. And we mentioned how these qualities affect the mind. Dr. Satinarayana gave us the Vedic theory of the mind and explained manas, or mind, ahamkara, the ego, chitta, the subconscious mind, and buddhi, the discriminating mind. We touched on the subject of samskaras, which are impressions on the subconscious mind. There is a series of teachings on the website ataytv.com which gives more detail on what we have discussed today. There is also a questionnaire which you can find by going to Ayurveda and Yoga and then to the mental health page. This questionnaire will tell you what your inherent behavioral tendencies are in Vata, Pitta and Kapha. There is also a video which will help to analyze the results of the questionnaire and I do encourage you to watch that because you can get the wrong impression sometimes when not fully understanding how the doshas affect the mind. There are several blogs on the website also for your review which will substantiate the information we have talked about today. 
I value your questions, your comments and queries. So please email me at anneholiday at ataytv.com or info at ataytv.com. Once we get an understanding of the mind and learn about its wanderings and tendencies or tricks, as we call it, we can then start to think about our spiritual nature, which is who we really are. We're not the body or the mind, and we say it all the, all the time. We refer to my body, meaning it belongs to me. Well, who is me? Me is my spiritual self. So just one thing to do for your health before we go, and that is to laugh. Are you ready? <laughs> Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to According to Ayurveda and Yoga. Be sure to join Anne Holiday again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about Anne, our radio program, and supplemental information about what you've heard today, please visit the website ataytv.com. Until our next program, wishing you health and happiness. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.